Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Well, we're back to it. And it is September 13th. I don't think we even recorded since September, already halfway through the month. Wow. Yeah, Time skip flies. two weeks Jeez. and <laughs> now it's like, it already feels like we're turning towards winter. Oh my gosh, yeah. We're really uh, really turning the corner in the year. You know, like July 1st comes around and it's like, oh, you're halfway through the year. And then September comes around, it's like, oh my gosh, the year's almost over. You know, it's just like a totally different feeling. Yeah, seriously. So much to do, so little time. But uh, how are things going? It's going pretty well. It's, uh, yeah, overall pretty well. I would say today has been a little rougher. It was a uh, third cup of coffee type of day. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, you, know, you know how Mondays can be. <laughs> yeah. Is that just a today thing or was uh, any like residuals from the weekend? Um, yeah, I think a little bit of both. Uh, it, it's, it's so funny too, because, you know, like I have a love hate relationship with coffee, caffeine, as I'm sure many people mm. do. And I'm always like, all right, like this is going to get me going. Like I just need that third one. And <laughs> usually doesn't work. <laughs> right. Usually right. after the, the initial morning one, that's about all you're going to get out of the day from it. So, well, but, I hesitate to tell you this because it, if it works, it's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. But uh, my wife and I discovered this drink called Celsius. Have you heard of it before? No. Okay. It's um, it's supposed to be like a healthy energy drink. <laughs> but <laughs> I, it's a podcast. You can't see it. But my fingers are in quotation marks because um, we bought it thinking like, oh, it's a healthy energy drink. Just thinking, you know, it's a nice like fruity seltzer and has some like good uh, you know, ingredients that are supposed to like naturally. Nope. It has 200 milligrams of caffeine plus <laughs> some other, you know, stuff. It's like, it's like natural is no sugar, you know, none of like the bad stuff and like soda, but it's got a crazy amount of caffeine and, um, we're out right now. We need to go get some more because I was, I was literally just feeling it. I was like that three o'clock slump and yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, I need a Celsius. And then I went and checked. <laughs> we didn't have any, but man, those things really kick me into gear. I don't know what it is. I'm kind of the same way. Like, unless I like chug or like really like espresso heavy coffee, then I'm like not really affected. Mm -hmm. Um, but man, I drink some Celsius and like my heart starts beating and all of a sudden, like, I feel like I have hyper focus <laughs> and, uh, that thing really kicks me into gear. Wow. That, that sounds dangerous for sure. <laughs> I know. But I mean, it's not really like a Red Bull or, or Monster where it's just like caffeine yeah. and sugar and lots of chemicals. I think it's like a healthier version. I try not to have a bunch. Actually, I was, we were just talking with uh, her family about it and her brother um, is really into working out and he has a really busy schedule. So he's like, yeah, I'll have half of it in the morning to like get me out of bed and just get working. And then I'll have the other half right before I do a workout so that I'm like energized for it and stuff. Mm. So you got to, yeah, you got to pace yourself for sure. Yeah. 
in my younger days, I used to use these like pre-workout powders and yeah. I mean, it was like loaded with caffeine and like just a laundry list of chemical ingredients and it would get you so jacked up. But uh, yeah, I probably took, probably took some time off my life to, <laughs> with, with yep. how much of that I ingested. Not good. Well, in any case, again, it could be a good thing or a bad thing, but there are recommendations there. I'm looking to get some more. Um, usually around <laughs> that, like one, two, three o'clock mark, I'm like, dang, I need some Celsius. And, uh, I find it to be useful. It could be taking years off later down the road, but <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe yeah. Not. Yeah. That's funny. How have things been for you? Um, pretty good. We had a, a rather busy weekend and it's going to be a really busy week this week. So, uh, yeah, it was like, I had like a bunch of like friend events and even actually last night, um, ended up going out to play pickleball with some friends last minute and ended up playing for like four hours and oh, wow. I'm like feeling it today, this morning, like really sore and like still pretty tired. And, uh, but otherwise things are going good. You know, it's been a kind of a strange two weeks. Um, the two weeks ago we didn't record in about half the week, you know, I was up with family because of, um, COVID stuff, just people struggling with it. And thankfully now sort of over the hill on that one and people are back recovering. Um, but I didn't get a lot of work back done back then. Although I will say I've been mostly working on Swifel's newsletter stuff. So the main newsletter and then tiny marketing ideas and like really fleshing out a lot of content there. And, um, so in my downtime between, you know, the family stuff, uh, and just, you know, extra time that I have, I've been actually making a lot of really good progress on that. But it wasn't like a traditional, you know, week per se. And then the next week was Labor Day. And then we went beach camping as well. And the beach camping ended up kind of flopping. So it was really hot. And we ended up leaving early. Um, but it was still nice. And, you know, got two days of work in last week. Um, but that's really been it. It's just been a lot of newsletter content and, and nothing else. So I'm kind of, yeah. you know, glad to be back in the swing of things. I feel like a little bit behind you know a little bit motivated a little bit excited to get back to stuff and you know have some things to show for after a good long while um but yeah overall pretty happy to be back that's cool i've seen a few tweets flying around about tiny marketing ideas and uh, it seems like that's really resonating with people yeah i hope so it's you know it's funny because um <laughs> the thing too is uh, both of them are evergreen newsletters, which basically just means as soon as sign, someone signs up, they're enrolled in the sequence. And so everyone gets emails at a different time. So uh, a gentleman the other day very generously was like, oh, this email today was like amazing, like mind blowing. And I was like, cool. I have no idea which one that was, but like, <laughs> glad you liked it. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it seems like the the feedback has been very positive and I've had a, a good time writing out the content. Of course, I'm like giving myself more to create than I can, you know, more more to bite off than I can chew. But, you know, it's like the the ever growing, I'm like, oh, here's another idea. Here's another idea. Here's another idea. And I don't even know what the number is. Um, but I'm trying to like, I've stopped putting in new ideas. I'm just going to be fleshing out the existing ones. I'm hoping by the end of this week, tiny marketing ideas will be done. Maybe, just maybe, if I can get like some solid productivity in. 
and then I can work on wrapping up the the regular newsletter, uh, and uh, and creating you know I think of about like twenty kind of issues in there um, that have also gotten some good feedback as well. So yeah, wow, it's exciting. So you just been cranking out content. Yeah, it's really. I mean, I I can really only do it for like two or three hours a day, and then my mind was just my mind is like pooped, and I can't even do anything else. So even when I try, like it was like last Thursday, you know, I hadn't written for a little bit and then got back. I was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, do this all day long. And then like three hours in, (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) I can't do it anymore. My brain is fried. So I got to pace myself and, um, depends on how much I get done every day. Haven't gotten to it today. Probably won't today. Unfortunately, maybe tomorrow. So stuff like that, you know, can never really anticipate. Yeah. Well, that's because you're out of Celsius. So no content right. producing today right dude <laughs> if i had a celsius after this i'd be cranking out content and give me some so funny yeah well cool really the only other like things not really i not really like to update but other things on my mind is uh i think the last time we recorded i was sort of thinking through the idea of niching down very specifically to SaaS marketing, which to some people might be like, oh, isn't that what you've always done? And some other people, <laughs> they might know. Like, so I felt it was supposed to be something more broad. I'm like pretty heavily leaning in that direction and planning in that direction. So now all the newsletter content that I'm creating is like, you know, framed with that in mind. Um, the new course content I'm creating for SaaS. Um, and that has me actually like, that's given me a lot of energy. Um, it's like a really daunting task, just focusing something like so broadly. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's given me, and I've, I've also had a lot of like imposter syndrome, like studying and writing about certain things outside of SAS. And so I think getting back to SAS, I'm like more confident, more comfortable. The words are flowing more easily. It's easier to write about because you don't have to like cover all the different use cases, things people will be, will be looking for. Um, so that's kind of in the works a little bit passively. We'll be making like website updates and other kind of updates pretty soon. Um, and then I've also been exploring this idea of having platinum partners for swipe files. Uh, I'm just gonna like put it out there in case these numbers resonate or people know someone who might be a good fit, but I've had, you know, lots of like sponsorship interests for swipe files for the newsletter for the podcast for the community um other kind of like collaboration affiliate type stuff where there's guest posts or social media posts or things like that and i haven't really done a ton with that mostly because it's a lot of work working with sponsors and like just building this pipeline of like one-offs and it's a lot Mm. to really make it work so i haven't given a lot of energy to it but i had the thought of having like okay what if i just had like two to four like premium sponsors who would like it would cover the span the gamut of newsletter podcast community you know everything in the future i would do between like social media or like a virtual summit or office hours like whatever that looks like like they are the sponsor of everything swipe files and then charge them a good amount maybe five to ten grand a year um which could be very easily justified between the numbers across all the different types of mediums of what swipe files covers um so I've been kind of like exploring what that might look like, making a list of people who might or companies who might be a good fit for that. 
seeing if that's feasible or something that people are interested in trying to get back to some people who, uh, you know, gave some interest around sponsorship and see if that's in line with what they're thinking. Um, but nothing really to, I would like to have that, like, I don't know, in motion, maybe towards like the end of the year, but nothing really to report on now. More just kind of these you know, vague thoughts and, uh, amorphous ideas. Gotcha. I'm a little, <laughs> I thought you were going to say five to 10,000 a month, to be honest. <laughs> really? No, there's no, yeah. I mean, who would pay that? That'd be crazy. I'd have I mean, to be, yeah. I don't know. Cause yeah, the, the two examples that came to mind when you said like platinum sponsors, it made me think of, uh, what Pat Walls did in the beginning. I don't know if he still does it. Um, with starter story, yeah, with he had, yeah, Clavio. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what they were paying, but I feel like it was like a few thousand a month. I could be wrong. Yeah. I think it was somewhere between two and 3000 a month. Um, okay. I know Harry Dry has done that as well with Mark. Right. That was the other one that came to mind. Right. Um, certainly not opposed to that. Although I feel like it might be easier. The thought is maybe it'd be easier to get two to four paying five to 10 grand a year rather than one for 20 to 40 grand a year. If that makes sense. Mm. Like a little bit more palatable still get the same results or like the same exposure you're just also in line with a couple other sponsors i could be wrong there um doesn't really make a huge difference for me i kind of feel like more the merrier but i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i don't know i think you could find a handful of companies willing to pay thousand a month at least maybe yeah that especially if you're doing it across all the different uh you know properties or or assets that you have Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the main three things i'm 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 aiming for like ten thousand newsletter subscribers by the end of the year uh, a little bit, all the members, you know, a few hundred members, um, a few thousand downloads for the podcast per month. And then, uh, and then I was thinking like a, like a, you know, annual SaaS marketing summit, which I would put on curious. They would like already be the sponsors of, and like mm-hmm. that price tag alo- alone could justify, you know, sponsoring the, the virtual summit, let alone the newsletter and the, um, and the podcast as well. Um, so yeah, could be, I'm, I'm, I'm more aiming towards that 10,000 number, knowing that if people say no and they want a lower number, then I would happily say yes. Uh, mm-hmm. but that would just be sort of like additional revenue, additional monetization, um, pay for expenses, things like that. So we'll see. Yeah. It's a little bit, I mean, it's a like alternative ad channel, you know, it's not like mm-hmm. a, it's pretty hit or miss and or not like a normal thing to do. It's much easier to do. I think a much larger company cause they, they end up having to kind of like find all these little watering holes and things to sponsor just to get like 
some extra. I mean, Unbounce did that with me back in May where they sponsored a newsletter and they happily paid. Uh, I don't know. I, actually, I can share the amount. Um, I mean, a, a pretty decent chunk of change for one newsletter issue, one newsletter sponsorship. And because mm -hmm. they were like, we're trying to hit our number for the end of the month. <laughs> we're just going to like <laughs> throw money at the problem. Um, so definitely for big companies, it'd be easier. A little bit smaller companies might be of a, a taller order for them, but um, still not like a super normal thing to do. It's my only like, I could see why it might not be like a slam dunk. I don't know. Mm. Mm -hmm. Or like an easy ask, you know, just because it's not normal. Yeah. It seems like though the move to focus on SaaS marketing is also a benefit for yeah. uh, doing, doing things like totally advertising. Help. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, did you see the news today about a certain company related to a monkey? <laughs> I, uh, I did briefly see that. And yeah, I remember there were rumors a couple of weeks ago. Right. So I think it only came out like an hour or two ago as of this recording. Oh, wow. One, oh, yeah. one thirty six p.m. one thirty four p.m. One o'clock ish. But uh, crazy. MailChimp for 12 billion acquired by Intuit. Fully That's bootstrapped, nuts. right? Yeah. 100% bootstrapped. Crazy. It's interesting too because um, the way that Axios... Uh, framed it is kind of strange. I'll read you the quote here. I don't know if you looked at like the press release, um, mm -hmm. but uh, they said, why, why does it matter? This would be the largest ever acquisition of a privately held bootstrapped company as MailChimp didn't take any outside funding since its 2001 founding. And then they said, it's also a huge windfall for the founders of MailChimp which opted for profit sharing instead of stock-based compensation for employees, as if that would have taken like a huge amount of equity <laughs> from the company. Huh. <laughs> it's just like a really strange detail that they would include in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a hundred percent bootstrapped and with profit sharing. So like a hundred, hundred percent bootstrapped. I like sort of understand what, why they made that point, but they just like phrase it in a weird way. I feel like, but, um, yeah. And I think the, the latest numbers, uh, Justin Jackson wrote a thread on it. I think the latest numbers that they shared were 800 million in annual revenue, which I think today is probably closer to a billion or over a billion. Mm. And, um, and also that from 2001, to 2006 or seven, it was a side project. So it's only been like that's crazy an official company for the last thirteen years ish, um, which is a decent amount of time, but it's still not very long for a twelve billion dollar acquisition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of wild to think about the you know starting that company in two thousand one, the tech landscape. Like in some ways it's so much, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's so much easier to start a company, a tech company today to build SaaS products or online businesses. So yeah, I mean, the fact that they did it as a side project for five years or whatever, it's, um, 
I think I saw a comment from Tyler Tringas about this. Like it's, it's maybe less common now to do something for that long as a side project because it's easier to iterate faster. It's easier to build faster. Right. Uh, and you know, as, as the founder of calm fund, he also mentioned, you know, now there are, uh, companies like theirs out there willing to fund people to take it from a side project to full time. So, Mm -hmm. right. Like maybe it was more, at a necessity than anything else mm-hmm. rather than just like, Oh, it was a fun thing. I mean, I think at the, at the beginning they didn't really have like a grand vision for it, but then they had to figure out like, okay, this need, I think, I think the catalyst was they, they waited for it to make enough revenue to where they could quit their jobs. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't like you said, like a, they were like resisting taking it full time or that it was just like a fun thing on the side. It was like, that's how long it took <laughs> to go from side project to full time. Right. And I'm sure, you know, their only option other than doing that was to take venture funding and yeah. uh, back then and probably for whatever reason they decided they didn't want to go down that path. So uh, and that's super cool for them. And valuations today are, are nuts. And I can only imagine back in, you know, 2001, 2007, they probably would have had to give up like mm-hmm. 20, 30% of the company for like a pretty small amount of money you know mm-hmm. 200 yep. to $500,000 um so it's no wonder they bootstrapped but yeah it's pretty nuts I think they said um 800,000 paid customers half of which outside the U.S. 13 million total users globally mm. that is crazy I feel like we've all used MailChimp at some point. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like a rite of passage. Like I've definitely had a MailChimp account in the past and still do, I'm sure, but right yeah. somewhere for something. Yeah. It's just like the the default go to. I mean, they were they were like the the pioneers of freemium, really. Mm. Like mm-hmm. popularized it and changed the landscape and disrupted all those old email marketing companies before them. And, uh, and for that same reason, right? It was like, well, just spin up a MailChimp account for my project and it's free, very generously free. Yeah. All the email marketing companies to me are fascinating because it seems like they all just end up doing so well. Right. And maybe I just don't know <laughs> about the ones that didn't succeed, but it's just like, there's just like so many I could list off that are just killing it mm-hmm. and are like still killing it and crushing it. I mean, even, um, I always forget, but, uh, I get ads for keep K E A P.com all the time. Mm. And I was like, why does keep seem familiar? And, uh, oh dang it. Now it's going to slip my mind, but it's an old, like it was like the first marketing automation platform mm. it's been around also forever just like mailchimp um oh dang it what was what was keep before uh it's you know what drip oh infusionsoft oh yeah infusionsoft was like the og mm-hmm. marketing automation platform it's what all the big creators and 
affiliate marketers use and even e-commerce platforms and now they're keep now they're still kicking it i see their ads all the time they did this whole rebrand and like you know refresher and yeah you're right i mean they're, they're pretty much all successful i feel like even the ones that aren't <laughs> like very successful still have like a surprising amount of revenue right exactly yeah it's crazy and convert kids fully bootstrap too right yeah yeah mm-hmm. and they're at 29 million dollars a year not a bad place to be <laughs> no. No, no it's crazy i i get um Nathan Berry's secret money newsletter uh, mm. where he sort of talks about some of his own financials as well as just like things that no one talks about for sort of like wealthy entrepreneurs and wealthy creators. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because he talks a lot about how they're bootstrapped. Technically it's like worth a lot, you know, if you sort of put like a, even like a five X, multiple on ConvertKit, he's worth over a hundred million dollars, which is a crazy amount. I mean, that's like the 0.1% of the world population mm-hmm. wealth, but he's sort of cash poor. Like it's, it's a different type of wealth. He hasn't realized a lot of that yet. Although mm. he takes a healthy salary and they do profit share and distributions, uh, I think annually or biannually. Um, and now the founders of MailChimp are going to be billionaires out of a bootstrapped exit, which is nuts. Yeah. Is it, is it one? I know there's, um, there's the one, the one guy, is it Brian, Brian something? Uh, but is there, is it just him or is there multiple MailChimp co-founders? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know a ton about the history other than the, the brief history lesson that you just gave me. see oh ben chestnut dan kurzius and mark armstrong i did not know that dan kurzius co-founded mailchimp with ben in 2001 huh yeah i mean it is crazy to think about working on the same business for 20 years now that is a long time yeah especially bootstrapped two decades (laughs) That's yeah. Yeah. Wow. 2001 to 2021, $12 billion later. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like a lot of people are going to look at the $12 billion number and the exit and everything that goes along with that. But like, you don't see the 20 years of hard work of bootstrapping it on the side for six years, you know, of, of sticking with it. Like I sometimes think, like I've been doing jet boost for two years and it sometimes feels like it's been five plus already. <laughs> and I'm like, it's still like still so early. Uh, and yeah. In startup years, imagine. he's been doing yeah. MailChimp for like a hundred years. Feels like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean just sticking with it that long is, is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Especially through those, those early days and then, going full-time five or six years later after starting it. I mean, it takes a lot. Yeah. And I think anyone who can go from 
starting a company and you know getting it off the ground getting that early traction and then continue on to build and grow the company and grow the team and and grow to say hundreds or thousands of employees to me that's like that's like a, a unicorn of a entrepreneur right there because those mm-hmm. those type of people aren't too common uh you know I'm, I'm still amazed by vlad the founder of webflow like he he worked at intuit actually for a while uh oh, as did, a, huh yeah as a developer and you know the the path that he's been on and uh, f- just starting webflow to help us with his client work uh all the way to you know now he's grown this uh, what's valued at over a billion dollars um and completely changed like what his day-to-day looks like and uh, having to you know now run this this large company and figure out how to do that like yeah, I don't know. I, I feel much more aligned towards the starter profile and <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I could be the person to to grow a, a company past, you know, maybe 10 people. So that's pretty crazy to me. Yeah, that's a hard, a hard transition. Uh, Vlad too. I mean, they like sort of started and failed with Webflow mm-hmm. a couple times mm-hmm. before it like actually took off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three times yeah. I think it yeah. failed. It's a lot of resilience. Yeah. I linked to um I'm gonna link to the how I built this episode with Ben Chestnut. Um oh, with cool. Guy Raz. If you haven't listened to it yet, it's actually really, really good. Um one of my one of my favorites on there. Awesome. Yeah, we'll listen to that. That guy's got grit. Um what about you? What's been new the last couple of weeks? What are you working on? How things going? Yeah, it's been a, a good couple of weeks. Uh, we're really starting to get on a roll as far as uh, just me and the the team that we're putting together and uh, and shipping. <laughs> we're on a bit of a shipping spree right now, which feels really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... I had been promising many, many customers who kept reaching out that sorting, uh, dynamic sorting would be available by the end of August and finally shipped that on August 31st, uh, which, you know, just in time. <laughs> and, and the big key there was, was cutting scope was let's just get the early version out and let people start playing with it. Even if it's limited, uh, we made the limitations very clear and you know, just getting something like that in people's hands is like sometimes all it takes to to really uh, just get you moving, moving faster. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. that was, I think, that was like a Monday or Tuesday. And then after a couple of days of people playing around with it, we started getting in requests for certain things that like just didn't make the initial version. And it was like, I don't know, I just like felt that fire then of, okay, let's get this, let's get this done for these people. And and so by the end of that week, uh, we launched a bunch of improvements, a bunch of new capabilities for the sorting. Uh, and it just like felt really good uh, to, to have people using it, have people excited about it. Uh, it's still in early access right now, but we should be rolling it out to everyone, uh, hopefully by the end of this week. So That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love that. 
sort of like, I mean, no other type of product or business could you like ship something kind of half baked where it's like, this is the early version, but it's clearly not like fully complete yet. And people are still stoked about it. You can still like very easily, you know, do that in a way that's like very valuable and then like tack on things, improve things later on and like give yourself more time to like really flesh things out. Um, but still be able to ship and iterate and get things out the door without feeling like you have to go into a cave for months and months and months, uh, before you can show any, have anything to show for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the key is like the, as long as someone's able to use it for like all the way through, you know, basically bug free on a specific narrow set of use cases, then we can expand the, uh, the number of use cases from there. Um, but it's still like, we're still shipping a high quality version of it. It's just, uh, not as broad as we eventually intended to be. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Big time. Sorting's out the door. Um, yeah. Sorting's out the door along with it. Uh, it was actually kind of funny. I, for the first time ever, instead of me just telling, <laughs> telling people, Hey, uh, you know, DM me on Twitter or reply to this tweet. If you want ac- early access to this feature, I created a, a webpage for it, created a form that people could sign up just using Webflow oh. forms. Uh, the problem with that ended up being a lot of people signed up with either a different email than their Jetboost account email or maybe they oh. didn't even have a Jetboost account yet. Um, so I wasn't able to like turn the feature on for their account. Mm-hmm. So that led me to uh, shipping something that we've needed that I've wanted to do for a while, which is like create a unique link where someone can go and opt in themselves to these different early access features. Uh, so got that live, which was cool and just started sending wow. people that link and was like, hey, add this to your account if you if you want to try it out. Um, so like a lot of manual work around doing early access stuff is, has been removed for me. That's super cool. How, how much work did that take? I feel like that's such a cool, um, like hack for, for anyone building <laughs> products. Yeah, it was, um, really, I mean, this is, this is going to sound short. It was like maybe less than half a day. Um, uh, but that was because a lot of the early access stuff, is already built out in the back end, so we just needed like okay. a front end UI for it. Um, but yeah, that's been one of my favorite things that we've done with Jetboost is like having the ability to turn features on and off for different accounts uh, and use that as like this early access thing. Um, I love that. Yeah, which I totally stole from Webflow, as I've stolen a lot of things. <laughs> oh, really? Is that how they yeah. do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they have the ability to turn on features for, uh, mm. different accounts and yeah, I won't say too much more. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't have any insider information, but there are, mm-hmm. uh, they have some fun ways to enable things. Uh, if you, if you know what to do, if you know where to look. Yeah. 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 E- even as an outsider. <laughs> uh, so sometimes I, I mess around with, yeah, with the Webflow designer and uh, I've gotten into weird situations where my account's like almost totally broken. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> 
yeah all these feature flags that are not supposed to be on it that are yeah conflicting yeah. with each other and interesting yeah i think that's, yeah. that's so cool i've uh um I, know I have like very limited exposure to like how that works where sort of what's normal um i can't remember exactly what we did at barometrics but i want to say that it was a little bit it definitely wasn't as streamlined as that. We had like feature flags and stuff like that. Um, it was like through an admin dashboard and we had to like manually sort of like turn on or off for each customer. Um, but there was never, never something that was like, Hey, follow this link and then like turn it on yourself if you want to use it. That's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been cool. And it's nice too, because I can, so like normally I'd send out an email sort of describing the feature, describing how I can use it, uh, you know, different limitations, whatever it may be. And I can still send out that email with the link, but then also all that information is on the page uh, when they go to opt into the feature as well. Oh, right. Huh. So, yeah, there's a lot of cool how, stuff you can do with it. How so? So you created um, a page where it has... Does it just show like the new latest thing that people can opt in or out of, or does it have like whole sort of like list of features you can toggle or get early access to? And then there's like a drop down with information about it or like, what does that look like? Yeah. So each feature is a unique link. Uh, and so you oh, only okay. see the okay. one feature for the link that you've been given. Smart because we actually use this internally. Like there are some features in JetBoost that I haven't released to anyone um, that sometimes we use, uh, but they're just not fully built out yet or even like really ready. They're more like alpha features. Um, but now we can use this to turn those on for some of our test accounts and whatnot. Yeah, wow. And then it's just through a link. So the link just like um, triggers something in the URL to tell sort of like their account to enable that feature for them. Yeah. The link basically identifies which feature it is. And then they click like a button that goes and makes the, you know, the database right, call to right. update their account. I see. Okay. Super cool. I love that feature. Yeah. That was a fun one to do. And uh, yeah, then, you know, it's funny. So I, I tweeted out that, uh, September was going to be like shipping September and it really has been like we we released our uh, personalized onboarding that we've been working on so we're starting mm -hmm. to collect uh, more information about people who sign up uh, what they're looking to use JetBoost for what their role is at their company what type of company they work for and huh. there's kind of two reasons for that I think I've talked about it before in here but number one is just understanding how people are using JetBoost who they are and that like helps us when we're determining, you know, uh, how well the JetBoost instructions are working, um, how well the process is working for people. But what I'm really excited about going forward is we'll also be able to tailor the experience based on how they've answered those questions. Uh, so you know, someone who is building Webflow sites for themselves uses JetBoost a little bit differently than someone who's building for clients. And now we'll be able to actually like provide a better experience for them 
um, knowing which side of that they fall on. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You, you had mentioned that before, like basically getting more information about them, but actually being able to like leverage that information to improve the experience for them is a whole new level. Yeah. Yeah. And that, it, yeah, it definitely like feels better too than just like collecting data for the sake of collecting data. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Excited about now that. You can at least say that you're putting it to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, final, final shipping update was on Friday. Uh, we launched an, another feature that people have been requesting forever. Uh, the ability to export favorites data. So if you're using the JetBoost favoriting plugin, uh, there was some data you could see before, but the main thing you couldn't see was like which of your members have liked which items or favorite saved mm -hmm. which items. Um, and so I think people, I, I mean, again, that's been a big feature request and I think people are, are looking to get those insights uh, into, uh, there are a lot of people that have used it for like learning management systems. So basically building their own type of course platform uh, right, right. And it'll be real interesting for them to be able to see, like, again, kind of looking at the funnel and where members are dropping off. And, um, yeah, so a lot of cool mm. stuff happening right now. It's awesome. Yeah. This is a, a random thought. I don't know if you've heard anything like this before. If not, disregard. But I can imagine something like, based on the favorites data of what people upvote or downvote or save, you could have like a, I don't know, a Zapier that, or I guess like create that as a Zapier trigger that, um, I don't know, then based on that information, you could send an email or enable something or add them to the list or whatever it is. Uh, of course, exporting is good, but I wonder if people have, have thought about it that way. Totally. So yeah, exporting was like the V1 MVP, uh, Zapier integration and or custom API uh, is now, I would say it's, it's upcoming. It's also now like one of mm. the, uh, top requested items remaining on the list. So wow. yeah, that's, that's a big one for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a no code world, right? It's about, it's about <laughs> <time>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we probably are overdue for uh, a Zapier integration. We've been going through it for, for SavvyCal. And, um, didn't sound like it took a ton of work. There was like some, you know, foundational stuff we had to set up and when, you know, the webhooks and the API and whatnot. Um, and so far it's been fairly easy to like test out, get in people's hands. Um, one of those things where Zapier is like almost, uh, table stakes for like every every product at any stage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, of course, you know, it's pretty like a pretty sweeping statement, but it's not surprising. I, I hadn't really thought about it before, before just now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely something that's been requested. Uh, maybe you should see if, if Derek would be open to doing a few consulting hours. Can I get him to build a, a <laughs> JetBoost Zapier integration yeah. for us? <laughs> uh, Guessing he's, he's probably a little busy. <laughs> Probably a little bit, yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited to see uh, the continuation of Shipping Spree September. 
I'm jealous. It's been like the exact opposite for me. It's been like <laughs> go right in the cave September. Mm, so maybe mm-hmm. you'll be shipping October. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it ebbs and flows and, you know, uh, listening to Art of Product and, and hearing Derek talk about, uh, I think like really like spring and, and even rolling into summer, like he was just on a roll of shipping updates and just like riding that momentum. Like there was a lot of other stuff he had to work on, but he's like, I'm just going to keep pushing these out until like I lose the momentum. And that's, that's really how I mm-hmm. feel right now for us. Yeah. 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 Ebbs and flows. Got to take yeah. advantage when you can. Right. Yeah. Got to get that cool. Celsius kick started in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have Celsius and then you just kick yourself into <laughs> a shipping spree. I'm yeah, going to have to go get some that. now. All right. Well, anything else before we wrap? No, the final thought on Celsius was, uh, I feel like we got to get them to sponsor this episode somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or maybe we had a disclaimer that they have not paid us to mention them uh, all throughout. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Reach out to their marketing team. See what we we can work out. Awesome. I would love that. Free Celsius. Oh, I would wrap that on Twitter (laughs) all day long. Like you don't have to pay us anything. Just uh, send us some shipments yeah, of Celsius. That's right. Sponsorship in the form of free product. <laughs> I'll take it. We can give them a free SwiPals account, a free JetBoost account, <laughs> free SavvyCal account, <laughs> whatever they want. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, it's a good place to wrap it. We'll have as many of the things we talked about uh, in notes in the show notes, uh, links to... MailChimp and uh, the How I Built This episode as well. And we'll see you in the next one.